Welcome to Eat Drink Social. My name is Michael Moeller, and throughout this podcast series, you'll be hearing from myself and Courtney Sandora. We're a team over at Go Social, a PR and social media marketing firm with presence in both Louisville and Denver. We'll be discussing social media trends and influencer best practices in the food and beverage landscape. If you have any questions or want to reach out, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or you can check us out on our website at www.goforthbesocial.com. Happy to be joined now from Indianapolis, Michael Moore, a.k.a. at Eats with Michael. So what you're doing in Indianapolis is you're trying to find out, you know, what feeds Indy. So tell us a little bit about, about yourself, Michael, and, you know, what do you do how, and how the blog gets started? Sure. Um, I've always kind of been into food and the food scene in Indianapolis specifically for the last five or so years. It's really grown here in Indy. Um I had my own personal Instagram account for a while and I had kind of started to post food there, whether it was restaurants or food that I was making in my own kitchen. And back then it didn't really seem like there were dedicated social media accounts, you know, five years ago for just food or just like a specific brand as much as there are now. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was at dinner one day and I made, um, a bunch of food for my family and my brother-in-law suggested, Hey, like, why don't you, these, these accounts are popping up now. You might be really good at this. Why don't you give it a try? And I kind of just kind of overnight decided to go for it and see kind of where it would take me. And it kind of grew a little bit quicker than I anticipated. So right now I do a little bit of um, food photography I work with um, some restaurants locally here. I work with different brands because um, I do both um, cooking in my house and then food photography and food writing for different restaurants around the city. Right on. Let's talk about that for a second as far as you know, brands and restaurants go. Is there a specific type of restaurant or brand that you like to work with or that you find yourself gravitating more towards? Or is it just something that is kind of, you, you know it when you see it? Um, it's a little bit of both. I try to focus almost 100% on local restaurants, um, whether it's you know new restaurants that are popping up where I can go there opening night, try the food, take pictures, and then convey to my followers, hey, this is the best dish here. You should try it because X, Y, and Z, or you know maybe avoid this dish. It wasn't ready on their opening night. Um, but I focus a lot on local restaurants. A lot of that is also um, kind of spotlighting restaurants or neighborhoods that don't necessarily come to people's mind when they decide to go out to eat. Um, in Indianapolis, we have what's called the International Marketplace, which is a neighborhood um, on the west side of town that has a lot of um, um, international mom and pop restaurants that don't get the recognition that you know, some of the big restaurant groups in the city center get. Um, and so being able to spotlight those um, local restaurants is really important for myself and my brand. In, in addition to Eats with Michael, you have a, another account um, at What Feeds Indy. Uh, how, yes. do you, how do you differentiate between the two? Um, it was a little bit difficult. I had tons and tons of pictures and content from when um, I would go to restaurants and what and um, Eats with Michael is more of a curated feed. There's more of a, if you scroll through it, there's a lot of um, black backgrounds, white backgrounds, natural wood backgrounds. And of course, 
not every restaurant or an environment fits that tone. Mm-hmm. And so um, I decided to kind of branch it off to what feeds indie and kind of, kind of highlight um, maybe images that don't fit exactly with eats with Michael, but are solid content and might highlight a restaurant. And so I've kind of bridged the gap between eats with Michael as a lot of my home cooking and then what feeds ending is where I can pour in a lot of um, restaurant content. Okay. Yeah. Let, let, let's talk about those backgrounds uh, that you just mentioned. Uh, there's certainly a lot of, uh, I see a lot of uh, white backgrounds on yeah. uh, photos that you take on, on eats with Michael at least. Um, so you're, so you're saying that a lot of those end up being kind of just home cooking now. Yeah. So it just kind of depends if there's an image that I really like that I posted a restaurant, um, that fits that aesthetic. Yeah. I'll still post it on eats with Michael, but I'll probably highlight a couple more pictures on. Yeah. I, I was, as well. I was genuinely curious to see if like you took food home that you got at the restaurant and like set it up against the white background, or if you just yeah. were really good at tracking down the white walled restaurants. in India. I, I have like, um, a sense when I go into a restaurant, if I see a table or a background that might work well for my aesthetic, if I can sit there and request that table, I'm, I'm going to be the first person to ask to sit there. Um, but no, I always take it inside the restaurant. Nothing's ever been brought home, at least not yet. Okay. Wow. Good job. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, I'm looking at them and they'll look, I'm looking at them right now and it all just seems like it's taken the exact same location every time. So, so, um, yeah. great, great eye. It's kind of like that aesthetic has been pretty important for me for eats with Michael because there's tons and tons of food bloggers, food photographers. I scroll through my own feed and a lot of times I see a picture and I'm not sure until I look at who it is, you know, Oh, who took this picture? It's really great. But for me, it was important to kind of get a very narrow image for when people are scrolling through before they can look at my Instagram handle. They already maybe know or have an idea that it's eat with, eats with Michael and not somebody else. Yeah. Right on. Um, so going back to the idea of like what, what feeds indie, um, not Mm -hmm. only do you have the the account, but you have the hashtag as well. Now as, as, as brands and companies grow and and become more, you know, social on social media, I think the, the dream is to have them kind of develop their own hashtag that people can use in their own post. Um, sometimes Mm it works, sometimes it, it doesn't. So was, what feeds indie your first stab at having your own hashtag or were there other variations first before that one stuck? There was, I, it was, it wasn't my very first one. I tried a couple for eats with Michael, but at the time it was a lot of home cooking and it didn't really fit. It was just kind of too broad of a concept. I think for people to latch on to, they weren't sure if they should be hashtagging that when they're cooking food or going out to eat. And then it has my name on it. So it's very, very specific. Um, and so what feeds indie, the goal is that when people are going out to eat, they can hashtag that and they're spotlighting a local restaurant. And then you suddenly have a board of all these, what feeds indie, where you can see where else everybody else is eating and enjoying food in the city. Speaking of hashtags, do you, do you have a, a sense of what, what a good mix is? You know, I'm thinking local hashtags versus national hashtags versus state hashtags versus topical hashtags. Like how, how, how do you play that hashtag game and and mix things up a little bit? I think it's important to have kind of a mix of local ones, 
and then um, ones that might reach a larger audience. Um, really the most effective way that I've been able to use it is just make sure that your hashtags are pretty relevant for your content. Um, whether it's, you know, if you're making Italian food, you can hashtag pasta, but it might be that hashtag gets lost a lot because so many people are using it in their food. Um, and so keeping it local, you get more exposure. I think that way you're, you're getting, um, people to look at it. That might be a little bit more relevant than someone just generically looking for the hashtag pasta. And then maybe your shows up, maybe it doesn't. Um, and I like to keep my brand pretty local to the indie area. So using local hashtags is, is beneficial for me. Do you find yourself using what I think the limits 30 hashtags now in posts? Do you find yourself using all 30 or do you just use a few? Um, it really depends on how much time I have to be honest. Um, this is kind of like my hobby slash side hustle. So, you know, sometimes I want to get a post out there really quickly and maybe I'll do 10 hashtags. Um, and then other times I'll have a lot of time in my hands and do the full 30, but, um, it just kind of depends on the situation. Sure. Um, all right. Last question before, before I let you go, uh, let's, Mm -hmm. let's say I'm going to Indianapolis in a couple of weeks and I'm looking for, you know, just good, you know, like a, a good burger or something. Where, where should I be going? A good burger. Um, there is a new place in Bound Square just opened up in the last month or so called Turketti's. They do whole animal butchery. Um, they only buy whole animals and they break them, break them down to use every part. And they have a delicious smash burger where they cut in some of the bacon into the actual patty. And then you get this like really crisp edge. Um, and it's just a really good, really classic burger. Trichetti's. All right, man. I yeah. appreciate your time today. Um, everybody yeah. please go follow at eats with Michael or, uh, at what feeds Indy. All right, Courtney. So, you know, before we actually get to the, the meat of the, the conversation that we just had, uh, I think that you have an interesting story to share about Michael, right? Yeah, Eats with Michael holds a, a special place in my heart because he was the first person that I've ever reached out to, first foodie influencer to send product uh, for one of our clients. And I just was really struck by his photos. They were exceptional. They look like something you'd see out of Bon Appetit. And so it was no surprise when he said that he focused on aesthetics because he definitely stands out. I, I couldn't believe that it was just an indie food blogger doing this on, on the side. Um, so he's done a great job over the years. And, and whenever we're looking for new foodies to send to in the indie area and I'm scrolling through, I can always tell which picture is his because it, it's, it's just from the background to the quality to the way he makes food looks. It's, it's, he's really talented. Uh, but what it really struck me was his discussion around hashtags because I feel like this is a topic that stumps a lot of people. Um, You'll see people that really want to get their brand name into the hashtag but then it's you know it's so small it's basically just them using it unless there's a contest and even then it kind of fades after the contest is gone and then you see people using hashtags that are very very broad and you know they're attracting fans that may be in the Ukraine and, you know, aren't even relevant to their uh, brand or product and can't even purchase it. So, you know, you've got to find this nice balance. And I love what he did with What Feeds Indie because 
it's broad enough that me as just Joe Schmo going to eat in the indie restaurant scene could use it, but it's also something that's ownable to him. Uh, and so I think as brands, we need to th- need to think about, you know, what hashtag can I come up with that strikes that balance that it's not all about me, but it's also something that's ownable and when people see it, they know it's me. So I think that's a great challenge for 2019 to think about for everyone. True. Yeah. A uh, good hashtag is both ownable and usable, and that's really hard to find sometimes. But to everybody, thanks for listening. We'll be back next time with a new interview. Take care. <laughs> <laughs>